Welcome to Feeling It, a podcast where we discuss TV, movies, pop culture, and whether or not we are feeling it. If this is your first time joining us, welcome to the show. And here we go. Come on, walk and talk. Alright, here we go. You guys want to hear something neat? It's showtime! Hold your ears, folks. Here we go! See what you can do now. Take your position. Alright, ladies, buckle up. Let's do this. Hold on to your butts. Seriously? Listen to me very, very carefully. Hey, it's me again. Eat him up. Enjoy. Hello and welcome. This week, we did a book swap. Uh, so we'll be talking about The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin and Faking It by Jennifer Cruz. But before we get into that, let's introduce ourselves and answer the question, how do you mark your spot in a book? I'm Sandra Omstutz. I'm a social media manager in Nashville, Tennessee. And, I mean, it really depends on what the book is. So most of my reading, I do, I, I read ebooks, So I don't have to mark it. It does it for me. I'm, I'm set there. If I borrowed the book from the library... I will use my library receipt usually as my bookmark, but if it's one of my own books, I dog ear. And I know Ooh. that's controversial, but they're my books, so I can do whatever <laughs> I want. So They are that. your books. You can do whatever you want. Yes. I'm just glad you don't do- dog ear library books. Yeah, no. That's, that's I, I did thing. when I was growing up. <laughs> Um, and I don't anymore. Oh, yeah. Good, yeah. good for you. Yeah. I'm Lucas Wright, a designer in Chicago, and I don't read a lot of ebooks. I'm, I'm, I mostly do um, audiobooks. Um, and so, again, hold, hold your place for you. But for physical books, I just memorize the page number, which sounds ridiculous, Chaos. but it's something that I just did all the time growing <laughs> growing up, and so I just memorize the page number for the most part. You know, Lucas, so. I feel like we have, like, this, like dynamic where like you're kind of measured and like i'm kind of like kooky sometimes yeah and this is definitely like our dynamic. where i think the true <laughs> chaos of lucas is like showing through it's yeah, like yeah oh lucas is the kind of person that memorizes <laughs> page numbers listen there are only so many pages how often are you really stopping your book it's not that hard the other thing for me is stop on the hard pages page 100 page 200 those are your only options to stop (laughs) the other thing that i didn't mention is that like i tend to read books straight through um like i'll stop you know maybe to go get a glass of water or like eat something but i tend Mm -hmm. to when i start reading a book i don't stop reading it until i'm done um, I read them within a set of an hour, a few hours, so that is my preferred way of reading books. And so, are you a fast I, reader, or do you just read short books? Both. Um, both. Okay. Yeah, wow. Both. <laughs> and Good. If, if if I was reading a long book, I I probably couldn't yeah. do it all in one day, but I could probably do it faster than most people. Um, yeah. and but I tend to read short, fun novels, so. Um, those take me a couple nice. hours. Yeah, you're not binging War and Peace. So. No, never. Yeah. <laughs> God, no. Just pulling an all-nighter. Right, right. <laughs> um, okay, every week we like to talk about something we've either discovered or rediscovered throughout the week. So, Sandra, what are you feeling this week? This week I am feeling a, a podcast from Vulture.com called Good One. It's hosted, it is hosted by, I believe his name is Jesse David Fox, and... It is an interview podcast um, with comedians where they um, talk about comedy, but not the way that, like, Mark Maron talks about comedy with comedians. Mm -hmm. These comedians come on to talk with a comedy and culture 
um, critic and journalist to specifically dissect one of their jokes or bits or comedy routines. Um, so the host, who is an incredibly thorough interviewer, it's one of the things I love about this podcast, will play a, a piece of stand-up that this comedian has done, a sketch that they did on SNL, um, a song that they wrote that's comedic, and then really drills down into how that comedian came up with the bit, how it evolved over time, what makes the bit funny, what their emotions are about the bit, um, and it's the kind of like nerdy comedy stuff that I really live for. Uh, a particular favorite episode of mine recently has been Sarah Schaefer, who is a comedian I've always really enjoyed. She has a very long bit about um, having a chaotic, um, ha- having emo- um, chaotic feelings about Hobby Lobby, <laughs> and she talks about her experience with Hobby Lobby and her her moral issues with Ho- Hobby Lobby. And it's a really, really funny bit. And in the podcast, they dissect, again, how she developed the bit and how um, she wrote it out. But then also kind of like what led her as a human being emotionally to come to a place where that bit is important to her. You know, like where, where do, what is her childhood like? What is her emotional state um, that made that bit something that sh- only she could say and create. Um, it's just so in-depth. And another thing that I really like about this podcast is that Jesse, the host, he is, like I said earlier, an incredibly thorough interviewer. Before every podcast, he consumes every interview and podcast that comedian has been on previously. So that he already knows the answers to all the normal questions right. that they get. <laughs> the surface-level generic right. questions. Yeah. yeah. And so, the, one, he doesn't ask questions they've already been asked. So I appreciate that. Um, and two, he already knows those answers. And he uses all of that knowledge to form much more hard-hitting questions than I think stand-up comedians typically experience in interviews. Most stand-up comedians have very lighthearted interviews when they're dealing with, like, regular press, or they're doing podcasts with each other, where they're just kind of goofing around and talking. Um, And this is someone who's talking about comedy in a very, like, educated way, in a way that I find super interesting. And I think that the comedians on the show find incredibly refreshing. And they love to talk deeply about it. So it's really professionally done and really interesting. I love hearing when people get asked questions for the first time that they haven't. Like lots of actors and directors and comedians and stuff like that are on the circuit and get asked the same questions over and over again. And hearing them get asked a question that they haven't been asked before is always so much fun because they get so excited about the questions. Um, It's it's great. I I do love this podcast. I've listened to it um, a couple times. And I love the writing process in general. So hearing about how people write um, anything, songs, movies, books, whatever, um, is always interesting to me. But jokes specifically, because that's not something that (laughs) I'm good at in any way, shape, or form, and have never really (laughs) even tried. Um, To me, that's just a whole new interesting process of how someone comes up with jokes and kind of workshops them and kind of, um, you know, 
continues to twist them to make them the best joke is so interesting to me. And this podcast really does a really good job of diving into that stuff. Yeah. There's also, I think, a pretty good variety on the podcast of it's definitely more stand up focus, <laughs> but see, but of different types of comedy and not just different types of comedy like stat, sketch or stand up, but different types of stand ups. Yeah. You know, and a, a lot of them have very different philosophies on how to be a comedian and what comedy should be like. And that's also fascinating to get to hear. Um, the same level of like intensity and enthusiasm applied to so many different styles of comedy. Yeah. It's really fun. If you're a comedy nerd, it's, it's, it's definitely one you should be listening to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what are you feeling this week, Lucas? We're finally without top chef, um, which is a sad day. Yeah. Um, I love, love that season. Um, but now while we're still cranking through quarantine, <laughs> um, I have a, I have a, an empty spot in my heart for t- top chef right now. But uh, Padma Lakshmi, the host of Top Chef, um, has created a new show on Hulu called Taste the Nation. Um, This is in the style of kind of Anthony Bourdain, um, where she kind of goes around the country and talks to people just kind of about food. Um, So it kind of follows that similar format. But specifically, I think what's interesting about this one is what she's looking at is um, Americanized food. So a lot of food that has been brought in by immigrants and has been kind of twisted into um something that is uniquely american now so the first episode um is set in el paso and she kind of and she talks about burritos and and she kind of talks to people about how um like what what this actually looks like for americans and how you know ubiquitous this is across the country um and yet where that really comes from and kind of the cultural influence um the next one she's in milwaukee doing hot dogs and kind of the german roots of that um and so it's really interesting to just kind of see um a very specifically a bunch of specifically Americanized foods that all have a really good cultural heritage. Now it's not all just food that feels American. Like a lot of it is, you know, dim sum and um, um, chop suey, and so like stuff stuff that is like that that Americans think of as some kind of you know Asian food or you know Mexican food or something like that, um, but is really kind of has its roots in America itself and has changed when coming to America. Um, so it's very entertaining and also just very educational. I think I've, I've learned so much, not just about um, food itself, but how people kind of view the changing process of food over time. Um, and uh, I would love for her to do <laughs> more seasons uh, of this forever. I absolutely love this show. And it's so fun um, to get to see something that is uh, kind of that Anthony Bourdain style and yet set in America, kind of talking about the immigrant experience. Have you watched this at all? I haven't. You know, food show, you know, I like a cooking competition, yeah. but food shows have never super appealed to me. Um, I, you know, where, where people go and eat food mm-hmm. is it just watching people just eat has never super, I've never gotten onto that, but it is something that I'm meaning to check out because I am so impressed with Padma as a television host. Yeah. It is a skill set that I think is overlooked and is hard to describe, you know, like what makes a good television host um, and what makes... What makes a good one from just an average one? And she, I think, is a particularly good one. And I'm always so impressed with the way she handles herself. One on Top Chef, but also just kind of in public and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, she's a, such an engaging personality. And um, 
so her alone makes me really want to check it out. Yeah, I think she does a really good job. And I feel like a lot of times with these shows you're interviewing or I, whoever's hosting it is kind of having these conversations about um, about race and culture and stuff like that. And it's usually a white guy. <laughs> and so it is right. really fun to see her talking about it as an immigrant. Um, the third episode is actually just about Indian food and, and, and her experience and kind of she cooks in her home and she talks about kind of what this means to her. And so it is, a, I, I, I think it's a... Not a unique perspective, but a perspective that we haven't seen on TV much, um, which really kind of ticks this up a whole notch. Yeah. But that's Taste of the Nation. Uh, the first season is available on Hulu. It's really good. Nice. Um, oh, one news thing that we, I, you and I haven't discussed at all, but that I'm really excited about is that this week, Hamilton is coming to streaming. Oh, yeah. How did we not talk about that? <laughs> I know. Um, I'm beyond excited. I... Obviously, I never saw it in person. Did you ever get a chance to see a show in person at all? I did. I saw it in San Francisco and I saw it in, in L.A. Um, with, okay. with two different touring casts. And it's great. I feel like I'm saying everything everybody has always said about sure. it. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to see the original cast with the original um, kind of stage direction and everything like that. Um, on, totally. On, we're going to watch it on the 4th of July. We're going to do it. I don't think my group that I like hang out with um, – is particularly excited about it um, or excited or the ones that are don't like I'm not interacting with indoors. Yeah. So we'd have to watch it outside and it's pro- probably pretty long to watch outside. Yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so I might be watching it by alone, but I will, but I can't wait either way. Yes. I'm there was, the, they released a clip online of just like the opening of satisfied. I saw and that it had been posted, but I didn't watch even it. just that. It was like not even the full song, just like the first, like 30 seconds, yeah. um, left me like gave me chills. Yeah. It, big news. And I think it's just big news in general of a Broadway, like a filmed Broadway production being on a major streaming service yes. and not like on a niche Broadway streaming service. Definitely. Yeah. I, I'm hoping that this becomes more common <laughs> specifically yeah. for Disney plus, because this is, I mean, it is, it's not a kid's platform, but it has mostly kids right. stuff. And this is what I think most parents have Disney plus. Yeah. Um, and so I think this is a great introduction to, to Broadway for, for a lot of kids. And I, I, I hope everybody watches it. I just, I need more musicals in my life. I need more easily accessible musicals. Um, the other night I watched the TV movie version of, Bye Bye Birdie from oh, the yeah. 90s. Did you ever see that? I have not seen it, but I know that. Jason Alex- <laughs> I've seen like clips Jason of Jason Alexander stars in yeah. it. I grew up watching it like over and over. Mm-hmm. And so I rewatched it and it was so fun. I loved that musical. And it, there's bo- lots of boring parts, but the, there are also parts that are like so, so funny. Yeah. And I just need more of it. Um, yeah. I, I hope we get more musicals and access to them. I agree. So we had news after all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We want to talk about books? Yeah, let's do it. my cat died in a global pandemic took over my life. And I put out some music that nobody liked. So I got really sad and bored at the same time. And that's why I'm like low-key fuck 2020. Still sad, still ain't got no money. I ain't got a watch up on my wrist. I just got some shit I gotta fix. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. This week we decided to do a book swap. Um, we've both been doing a lot of reading re- recently and just really wanted to talk about what are some of the books that we've been reading um, and what are our favorite, specifically for me, I've been reading a lot of murder mystery books. You've been reading a lot of romance novels. So we wanted to do a swap and I haven't read a lot of romance novels. And so I was curious, you know, what what, it, what is this What is this world like? What am I opening myself up to here? <laughs> yeah, with us kind of swapping genres, it was super helpful because I don't know murder mysteries. And so I picking, like, jumping into that genre blind would be tricky. Mm-hmm. And so having someone, like, custom pick a book from that genre was really nice. And, like, it was really fun to pick out a book for you that was like, this is a romance novel I think... Lucas will like, yeah. you know, not just any right. romance novel. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That's I think I feel like that that is always difficult jumping into a new genre. You have to get something a recommendation from someone who actually knows you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So. Well, cool. All right. So let's start off with the Westing game by Ellen Raskin. We'll do this kind of like how we do when we talk about movies. We'll have a, a non spoiler section where we just talk about our reactions to it. Um, and then we'll dive into, you know, the heavy plot details afterwards. Right. So Sandra. How did you feel about the Westing game? So when I started it, I, you know, I was I was starting to read it and it really took me a while to get into the book. At first I was just kind of like, yeah. what is this book that Lucas has like cited me with, you know? <laughs> and it was um the main problem for me at the beginning of the book is that there are so many characters to keep track of. There are and a lot, yes. I don't know if that just means, like, I'm, like, not as bright as I think I am, but um, I was just <laughs> kept being like, who are all these people? I cannot keep track of who is who, and why are there so many characters? Um, that is another problem with and, mystery books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it took me a while to, like, really get into the groove. But then there's... One major plot point that happens in the book where people are kind of, excuse me, where people are kind of sanctioned off into groups and that really helped a lot. That really helped me keep track of what the character types were like and who was what. Um, And so once that happened, I got into the groove of the book and I really started to enjoy it. Um, Another thing kept happening where... I think with mystery books, of course, like, you're trying to solve the mystery just like the characters are, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm pretty competitive. so And I (laughs) like to think that I'm a smart person. So, of course, as I'm reading any mystery or watching a mystery movie, I'm trying to solve it before it's revealed, you know? Yeah. And I I wouldn't say I'm very good at that. But (laughs) there were points in the books where I thought, like, oh, I've solved part of this mystery, and I'm so clever, and I'm so, like, excited that I've solved it. Mm -hmm. And then, like, two paragraphs later, like, that mystery would be revealed. And I would be like, (laughs) oh, cool, I'm keeping right in time with it. Like, I'm not ahead of the game at all. Um So that was funny. Um, Another thing that I really enjoyed about this book is it really surprises you with humor. You know, it's not a comedic book, but every now and then there would be a line that would be very funny. And and it would, like, shock you out of whatever, you know, kind of puzzle making was happening. Yeah. And I really – I appreciated that, like, very um, hidden sly sense of humor that the book has throughout. Um. And then the last thing I'll say, I, I, we haven't really discussed what the plot is at all. I should probably say that. I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. Um, 
the plot of this book is, you know, very vaguely that um, a group of people live in an apartment complex and a um, mysterious old millionaire has died and he has all requested in his will that they participate in a game where they try to figure out who killed him and the winner um, becomes his, you know, grand heir to his, you know, company and fortune. Yeah. Um, so all that to say, you know, the, the, the book is, I keep trying to say movie instead of book (laughs) because we're so used to talking about movies. So I keep stuttering (laughs) on, um, book, the book, you know, is, is a lot like a murder mystery and, um, in that it's, you know, kind of puzzle solving. And at the beginning it felt very sinister, Yeah, you know, I, I was, that was another reason I think that it took me a while to get into the book because the beginning felt very spooky and sinister. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was nervous about what the tone was going to be throughout. And by the end, I was so, I had so much affection for this book. And in spoilers, we can talk more about why, but I like, the ending really sold me on it. And I, and I really fell in love and it made me, like any good murder mystery want to reread it immediately mm-hmm. and see it not only for like, you know, now that I know how the mystery is resolved and seeing all those clues, but for the emotional catharsis as well. And like, there's so much emotional storyline that now that I can reread it and, and see it hidden throughout the pages. Um, I, I, so I'm, I'm very excited to read it and I loved the book. So thank you for recommending it. Yeah. It's definitely a book that I, I grew up reading a lot. It was one of those things. I was like, I read it for the first time when I was probably like twelve, and then just yeah. kept reading it from then on out. And it is, Ugh. it is technically a kids' book, but it has a bunch yeah. of adult elements. Makes it sound like it's like like inappropriate elements, but like a bunch right. of things that are for adults and makes it makes it a good read. I think for adults. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I really love that book, and we can we can talk more about specifically the plot, the plot details yeah. and spoilers. Yeah. And you know, you mentioning it's a kids' book. Um, I remember looking this up when you told me the name and seeing somewhere like that it was a young adult novel mm-hmm. and thinking like, oh, Lucas gave me like a really easy book to read. <laughs> like he like really underestimates my ability to handle murder mystery. <laughs> he gave me like a kid's book. Yeah. And then I was reading as I was reading it. It didn't feel like a young adult novel right. at all. Like it doesn't feel like the way. I would say most young adult novels feel where they're really focused on teenagers or kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is a fully, I, I, f- I feel like it's a very balanced book. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So how did you feel about faking it? I, I so going into this book, I knew nothing. I just picked it up, yes. started reading it. Um, and right off the bat, this is a book about, um, ooh, let me see if I can, I'm trying to remember what they, what they tell you right off the bat i feel like pretty early they tell you that she's uh forging, forging yeah. paintings right that's yes. not a sport. yeah it's it's about it's about art forgery and a con artist yes and yes yeah yeah about art forgery and con artist is exactly what i want in anything so yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly so right off the bat i was like oh yeah you picked the right book for me this is right up my alley <laughs> yeah so um yeah so i think what what intrigued me right off the bat um, was again, how many characters are in this book? This is similar. I mean, yeah. not in the way that the Westing game where you have a bunch of people who are kind of on the same level, but just side and supporting characters within this book. Um, it really has kind of fleshes out the world that this, these characters live in. Um, 
I'm a huge fan of paintings in general. I don't paint. I'm not good at it, but I love the idea of painting. <laughs> and you I know, don't think I knew that about you. I I love um the art history mostly of painting yeah. um and so it's something it's very fun to to hear people talk about um w- kind of within this book like the the history and the you know the artists that they're um that they're forging and that kind of the that they're mimicking and, and that kind of thing is so interesting to me and so fun um i think as we kind of go on i am much less interested for this book specifically much less interested in the actual romance going on than (laughs) (laughs) than the plot um yeah and i think as the plot goes on i mean as the book goes on i think by the end i'm actually the other way around i'm more invested in the romance than in the um the plot itself because the plot goes off the deep end it is completely um one of the (laughs) craziest endings i've i've ever read in a book uh, which we'll talk more about. It is insane everything that's happening at the end, which I love. I love the second half of Mistress America, um, the Noah Baumbach movie, where people are just walking into into a house and just people keep talking to each other, and it's like eight different conversations going on at once, and you're discovering different things about everybody, and it's just complete chaos. And that's what this yeah. book is <laughs> at, the, at the end. It's just complete chaos, and it's so much fun, and it gets so wacky and improbable. Um, but I loved it. It was so much fun. It, I, it was It was absolutely exactly what i needed (laughs) good oh i'm glad you know we you and i both share an affinity for like stories about con artists Mm -hmm. and heists of which this book has and so um and this book i read as a teenager and i reread like you said with the westing game i reread this book over and over and over again like at least once a year if not more than that um and it it's one of the reasons I have such a strong affinity for movies about thieves. Yeah. And um, it really kind of like nailed its way into my head and into my psyche. Um, and so I, I, when we decided to do this book swap, I thought, oh, Lucas, if anything, I, I know Lucas will at least appreciate this part of the story. <laughs> and so if he doesn't like the rest of the book, that's fine. But like, I know he'll at least enjoy this part. Yeah. yeah. I think a, I think a key to a good... Um any kind of good crime uh, book or story is being able to tell the the reader or listener or, you know, watcher or whatever, um, something, uh, kind of give them a hint of like how to do this stuff. Um, not yeah. necessarily like in specific instructions on like how to break and enter, but like, especially around cons, like these are the psychology, this is the psychology that you use to convince people and this, this kind of thing. So it, it feels very believable and it feels like these people are doing these things. And I think this book does a great job of the forgery stuff of the conning, the convincing, that kind of stuff, just kind of walking you through it and being like, here's how they're doing this. This is, this is kind right. of what's getting this across. And it just makes it so much more um, inviting to kind of get into that world in this book. So it's really great. Another key thing for me is having criminal characters that are incredibly likable and charming because (laughs) if they're not then you're just reading about assholes that hurt people you know and the nuance of having oh this person's so charming and they also do something that's wrong is what makes a good like criminal story and i think this book does a good job of that yeah i think there's a I have a I have a hard time with noir books because a lot of times they fall into the genre of um you know 
criminals, um, heists, uh, forging, all of all of yeah. this stuff, a lot of detectives, th- those kinds of things, but more with a darker tone where you are just like, I'm reading about a bunch of assholes and I'm not like, these guys aren't charming. I'm not into this. <laughs> and right. that's what I want. I want the fun that's there as well. And, and, and exactly. something like yeah. this definitely gives yeah. that. Um, well, I can't wait to hear you talk about the specific plot points of this book so i'm ready for us both to move into spoilers if you are all right spoilers for the westing game and faking it starting now before we get started does anyone want to get out are you paying attention it's your last chance to walk away let me tell you what's gonna happen now cracking gas spoilers remember you wanted this um let's start with westing okay. game since we started with yeah. me before um so I guess I'm going to jump to the biggest spoiler is that the final chapter of this book, like the epilogue mm-hmm. of like how everyone was doing and, you know, um, like turtle on like the deathbed yeah. made me very emotional and like is really what made me like decide that this was a book I love versus just a book I like, um, I, part of the reason I love romance novels is because I love happy endings. I, I don't need happy endings in every time in a movie, but in a book where I've invested myself, I feel a little ripped off if there's not a happy ending. Yeah. Um, which is part of the reason why I have, um, I'm conflicted about like the two Sally Rooney novels I've read. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I really, I need happy endings. I like them. And this book has such a beautiful and like warm hearted happy ending for every single character. And is that realistic? Like, no, you know, yeah. that like <laughs> every single one of these characters would find peace and happiness, you know? And is it realistic that like, you know, that millionaires are this kind-hearted and generous, you know, definitely not. Um, But it's a fairy tale in that point of like, oh, what if the world was like this? What if the richest of us became these kind-hearted benefactors? And what if everyone found their partner? And what if, like, community was, like, kept throughout the years? Mm -hmm. And people went on to, like, be successful and follow their dreams and fall in love and all those things and like the way that um she wraps up every character's storyline really like was so satisfying for me. Yeah, I think that that is why again, same situation. That's why I love the Westing game so much is because yeah. the ending is completely unrealistic, but it is perfect for all of those characters and yeah. it it is correct like what they do is correct for the characters that you've seen grow throughout these, you know, the time you spent with this book um and it is so fun to kind of see where everybody ends up and that's kind of that's kind of the joy of of getting an epilogue at the (laughs) at the end of this book because because when you have a a cast that's sprawling it feels um it feels like a family and getting to see them kind of live out their lives um still feeling like a family is great yeah and also i think when i started the book I didn't necessarily think to myself, like, oh, everyone in this book is unhappy. You know, like, that's not, I don't think the message that's being portrayed. But then when you look at the happy endings, you kind of look back at the beginning and think, oh, everyone in this book was unhappy with their lives in some way. Like, or or there were a lot of characters, at the very least, that were felt very unsatisfied or discontent. And 
And through this game and through building this community, they found purpose and peace. And that's, like, really satisfying, especially right now. Yeah. Um, to see, like, people just, like, figure their lives out and have happy lives. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's what we need. Yeah. 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 How did you feel um, about um, about having – what is it? Just uh, having him be in disguise the whole time. Did that feel like a cheat to you? No, that – that was, you know, I think delightful. It was goofy yeah. and delightful, as is a lot of the rest of the book was. Yeah. So it felt in line with the tone of the book. Um, you know, I think the hardest, the the thing that felt strange to me, again, was like, if there had been like, maybe like half of the characters, or three quarters of the characters, I could have really delved deep into, like, who it is, you know? Yeah. But because there were so many, it was like, I can't even try to figure out <laughs> who did this, you know, like, or, or, or how this mystery unfolds. There's a billion characters for me to try to keep track it's of. It's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. And another thing that this book does that was tricky for me to get, a, like, a steady grip on was... She switches character perspectives, like, mid-paragraph. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm used to books where I I particularly like books with multiple POVs. Um, I don't I don't love a book where it's just the point of view of one part mm-hmm. character the entire way through. Um, but usually there's, like, three. You know, like, yeah. two or three POVs <laughs> in a book. And this one had, like... 15 it felt like and and inst- and also i'm used to you know each character getting their own chapter maybe mm-hmm. or like half a chapter and then you know the, it's very like segmented and this one she was switching point of view like every she would do two sentences in one character and then three sentences in another and then like another few sentences like kind of uh, like omnipresent and it was just flipping about so often that you really um you're you're kind of like never on solid ground in the book until again until yeah. i got used to it yeah i i hadn't thought about that that is something that's, that's very different about um about just kind of her writing style in this book um is the the fast jumping back and forth between different characters points of view especially as it's kind of telling one story um, cause it's not, it's not like you see it from one person's perspective and then you see it from the other in the next chapter. It's just as things are happening, you're constantly switching back and forth is unique. And that's something, that's something that I thought about before, because I think I've read it so many times. I'm just used to it, Yeah, but that's great. Well, and the point of view thing is really important in a mystery novel because it usually signifies innocence in some way, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because if, like, if we've heard from their mind them trying to figure out who the murderer is, then they're probably not the murderer. At least that's, like, kind of the logic you assume when you're reading it. Yeah. And so I kept trying to figure out, like, okay, who have we not heard from? You know? Like, yeah. who who is whose voice have I not heard yet? Um, and that was, again, a hard game to play with so many characters. Uh, it was also nice that there was, I think, two characters that I like deeply like connected with and that and one that you felt like you could fully trust and that was the judge Mm -hmm. so she was kind of positioned as like the ultimate trustworthy character um 
one, she's a judge. Two, she seems to be thinking about this more clearly than anybody else. Um, she seems to have invested, before you find out her history, she seems to have invested knowledge about um, the billionaire. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I, I always like was anxious to get to her sections. Um, the, the You know, she was probably my favorite character. And then I also really enjoyed the Angela character. Um, yeah. I thought that like, of all the character arcs and stories in the book, hers was the most like thoughtful of this like beautiful, kind young woman who is engaged. And it's not that she doesn't like the guy, but she feels discontent with her life and where her and the focus that she has. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I figured out that she was the one like setting off the bombs, yeah. thinking like, oh, my goodness. I know it's her, you know, like I spotted the clues and then it was like very soon revealed that it was yeah. her after. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. This is, everyone knows this, yeah. not just me. <laughs> um, but I also thought that that was like an interesting story to tell. Like this woman who is acting out in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoy stories about like um, feminine unrest yeah, um, which I thought she she embodied. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I anytime I read, I always mm. think about what is like. Could this be adapted? Why has this never been adapted? Just because yeah. everything is adapted now. <laughs> that right. so so as I was because I I reread this as well, and as I was I listened to the audiobook, and so as I was listening to it, I was like, this is something that I feel like could be a great movie or a great miniseries or something. Why hasn't anybody totally. done this? And I do think that. It is the fact that there are a lot of characters. It is like tone wise, it's a little bit all over the place with kind of how it's. Um, I mean, it's not. It's not like a, a scary mystery. It's not like a, a comedy. So like trying to figure out what to do with it. But I feel like it's all doable. Like I don't feel like it's something. That, yeah. <laughs> um, that's impossible to adapt. I'm I'm very curious why it hasn't happened because I feel like it's it it's a great story that that could be told in that way. Totally. Speaking of tone. There, like I said earlier, there were so many things that felt so sinister. Like the opening yes. when like they're all being picked for the apartment. Yeah, and it it almost feels like they're all about to be murdered. <laughs> I know. Like, okay, <laughs> everyone who signed up for this apartment is about to be murdered. Um, and so that was like a little like spooky. And then I I did truly love the line in the opening where he said where they said. You know, they had picked all the people and one mistake. Yes. That, that someone was in the building that wasn't supposed to be in the building. And that didn't play out to be anything sinister, but boy, did it feel spooky in that moment. Yeah. Um, the the whole sequence of Turtle going to the mansion mm-hmm. on Halloween night. <laughs> Finding very the body. Spooky. Yeah. Very, very spooky. Yeah. Um, it would lighten up and then get spooky again, like when they all got snowed in. Yeah. You think, oh, here they go. They're all about to get murdered one by one. You know, like, they're, they're all snowed in. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, when the bombs started going off, you know, that that was a little spooky. And then I think after that, you start to realize, okay, nothing's going to happen to these characters. Like, they're it's going to be okay. <laughs> um, it just took a little while to get in, you know, to, to be calmed by that. Right. Yeah. It's great. Um, I highly recommend everybody read it. <laughs> yeah. I think the last thing I want to say about it is... It was so surprising to me that this book was written in the 70s. I know, right? That like, And that it felt, 
It doesn't feel modern, obviously. Like, there's still, like, some old-fashioned character types yeah. in it. You know, like, like especially, like, um, professions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it felt pretty progressive for being a movie, a book written in the 70s, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I appreciated that. There was, like, there were, like, different characters of different races and... Um, for the most part, they're like they're they're not really made fun of. They're like called out for mm-hmm. um, characters like that that do say um, sort of problematic stuff. The book kind of calls them out on it, and it, it seems thoughtful. It's it's definitely not like super complex, you know, right. like the way that everything's handled. Yeah. But it doesn't make you cringe either. So like that's helpful for me and helpful to know yeah that was something that i wasn't i wasn't super worried about it but i hadn't read this book in you know quite a few years and so and coming into it i was like all right i know there's an asian family and i know there's i know the judge is a black woman and i'm like i don't remember exactly how all of that is handled i know there's a there's a a boy with disabilities and i was like i was just kind of like i feel like there's probably something in there that's probably not great since this is a book from the 70s but yeah reading through it i was i was I was impressed. Obviously, it doesn't get into, you know, <laughs> you know, super deep identity politics or anything like that. Right, but right. Um, I do think it handles it really well, especially for a book from the 70s. Totally. Um, also, last, again, last, okay, last thing I want to say is that the book, the ebook that I read kind of had some, um, hold on. Oh, I keep needing to sneeze. <laughs> um, it had a chapter at the very end about Ellen um hold on sorry gosh bless you you did it (laughs) thank you um (laughs) it had a chapter at the very end about ellen raskin and her like graphic design background and her typography and her ideas that was just rad she seemed like a rad lady from the little i know of her from this book, you know? Yeah. She, and it, and made, she it made me want to like, like look more. <laughs> yeah. It made me want to like learn more about her and read other books of hers. Definitely. I also had that at the end of my book and it was the first time that I'd heard any of that. And I was, I, I did the same thing. I was like, Oh, I now have to like find out more about her from, you know, yeah. all the illustrating that she did and you know, the other books that she, she, she wrote and I'm yeah. Super in on her. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Um, okay, I want to hear about plot details and what you liked about or, or thoughts about faking it. Yes. Okay. Right off the bat, I was like, okay, this is an interesting family that you've dropped me in. Like getting to yeah. meet Tilda and that whole mess of a family is so fun. Um, I right i i think it's kind of right off the bat you're you're just like oh this is a lot of people you have yeah like you have tilda you have eve you have um her ex-husband and his new husband and their daughter and her and eve's um alter ego Uh, i forget what (laughs) louise Uh, eve is the alter ego no, no, Eve's, Eve's the daughter. The yeah, Eve, or Eve's the sister. Yeah. Louise. Oh, Louise. Louise. Louise is the alter. Yeah, yeah Louise yeah. is the alter ego. So like immediate, and then you, and then Gwen, and you know about Tony, her, you know, her, her husband who died, and so there's just a lot going on, and then immediately they get into, and we're forgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, okay, there's a lot going on. I love this. This is so much fun. But I kind of had this. I kept jumping around, and because it is, um, this. Uh, gallery with a boarding house connected you have um kind of tenants. the tenants as well and so just right off the bat i was like okay who lives here what what which are pets and which are people because the pets all have people <laughs> names as well so right i was just, sure. yeah so I, I had that at the beginning and also i feel like in most books you have kind of 
people who aren't characters within books. They're just people who are there, um, but right. you don't actually get to, you know, dive into their characters. And I feel like you keep diving into more and more people's characters. So you're like, oh, you're not just a person here. You're actually someone that I that I should know um, throughout yeah. this book. And it keeps adding more and more of those people, which is a lot of fun. Um, and so the, by the end, by the time you get to the climax of this, you have all of these people coming into <laughs> this house and having all of these conversations that have been building up over a long period of time. And it is yeah. absolutely ridiculous. The, what's going on there at the end when they're at, um, at Mason Phipps house, um, just kind of everybody talking about Gwen's not going to marry him. And, <laughs> and Cleo doesn't want to marry him. And, and like everybody has their specific kind of wants and needs at that point in time. And they're, they don't necessarily all clash, which is what's interesting. I think at the end is it all kind of works out. Um, right. Which is very fantastical and fun, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what was it like? How did you feel about the romance of it all? I So I kind of expected it. Me being someone who's not interested in romance novels at all, I kind of expected it to follow the same arcs as a... Um, rom-com? As a rom-com, yes. Um, where kind of, you know, they, they meet each other, they hate each other, and then they fall for each other, but somebody has a secret and then somebody, and it's all going to work out. And then somebody discovers the secret and they break up. And then finally at the end, they reconcile their differences and everything's fine. And it doesn't follow that formula, which is good. I like, there is conflict at the beginning, but there is also, um, that, that attraction and you have, um, and you know, she's not keeping this secret, um, I mean, she is keeping this secret from him the entire time, but it's not, um, you know, this big conflict moment that like, exactly. It's not about him and it's not, and it doesn't break them up kind of a thing. It's not a secret that um, breaks them up, but actually gets, because she opens up and and he knows her more now, um, it's better for their relationship. And so I think all of those things feel more real and feel more, um, I think, interesting, more interesting choices (laughs) to me. Um, But at the beginning when they are, kind of in conflict and you know and she won't open up to him and everything like that because you know what her secrets are and you kind of know more about who he is i think me i was like i think he's gonna be fine with all this like i think you can tell (laughs) yeah and so i i think if i hadn't known kind of what her secret was and but knew she was kind of closed off and like hiding stuff i feel like i probably would have um felt more for her of, of, of like, I get it. I get it. You know, keep, you know, keep, keep your stuff away. But because we kind of know who Davey is at that point, we're like, he's going to be great for her. Just, <laughs> just open up to him right. already. So, right. <laughs> but I, yeah. And, and then by the end, um, you know, because of all the conning and everything that's happened so far in this movie, you see how well they fit together and you see how, how much better they are than the rest of the relationships in this book. And you get to see all the contrasting, um, relationships of Gwen and, and, and Mason and um, Nadine and all her little boyfriends. And um, I just thought all of that was really fun. And I love that um, he kind of becomes part of the family before they even start um, really uh, dating at all or, you know, being yeah. being fully interested in each other. He's kind of already been adopted into this family and having conversations with Andrew and even talking to the family lawyer, Jeff, and like, yeah. and, and all of that is, I, 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 those are the parts like that bullying feel... Nadine's boyfriends. Like, yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I, I feel all of that felt very like mama Mia to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, just kind of very fun. So you've got this big kind of weird, happy family together. Um, it also made me feel like this shouldn't have been set in Ohio. This should have been set somewhere else, somewhere like more, oh. more uh, romantic. I feel like interesting. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Like I, I get that. It, I get why it's in Ohio, but because it's this big, you know, 
art thing and everybody's in into art and knows about art <laughs> it's just yeah. like why is this in the middle of this uh you know town in ohio <laughs> like yeah huh. but um but yeah. yeah i i really liked it i thought it was a lot of fun. yeah i um one part of this book i mean i love the romance of it and the way jennifer cruzy writes but i really love the section in this book where davy teaches someone how to con like here are the five steps yep um because i feel like we see a lot of con artists and con artist movies and we see like maybe how a heist is performed or how like a a trick is performed but this kind of gets down to the psychology of being of conning people of convincing someone to do something for you and to do what you want and he has these like five tricks and and I've always thought like, oh, this book is genius that it makes it so easy for you to understand and maybe even easy for you to try out. Right. You know? Yeah. That's that's yeah. kind of what I was talking about before is like any book that kind of gives you a, a little bit of a hint of like, oh, maybe I could do this. You know, maybe I could try this yeah. out is so much more interesting. <laughs> and and yeah, when when he's kind of having that conversation of like, here's how you do it. Here's how you walk through it. It's so intriguing and so fun to then watch them do it. Um, it's great. I yeah yeah. It makes it so much better. Um, like you, another reason I think I keep coming back to this book is because it's not just the two romantic leads I'm interested in. There's so many side stories and like the ensemble. I adore. I love this family. I find this family interesting. Like, yeah. I want to be a part of this family. I want to like be included in this group. Um. I I can picture the movie version of this so clearly in my head. Um, I think the Gwen Goodnight storyline hmm. is really charming. So great. Yeah. I kept picturing, like, Blythe Danner in that role. <laughs> just, like, and, and not um, oh, a younger great. Blythe Danner. Right, right. But, you know, just, like, this, like, older woman that is still, like, enchanting and has and has had kind of a frustrating life and a frustrating marriage and and now she has these men fighting after her and she kind of doesn't know how to handle it. Yeah. Um the her the dynamic with her and Ford was just so delicious for me. Yeah. Especially her thinking that he's a, an assassin the whole yes, time. Yes. And that, that's that doesn't like fully put her off, yeah. you know like Yeah. That that's that that is like the whole Ford character when he finally comes in and you're just like, what is even happening here? <laughs> this yeah. is all insane, but so much fun. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought I thought it's all it was all great. I yeah, I I 100 agree with you. Like you can just feel the casting for this because you have all of these really good, well rounded characters that you're like, oh yeah, I can absolutely like we get. Um. Oh, oh my gosh, what's a uh, Nadine's friends? name i Uh-oh, forget i don't remember whatever yeah. her her friend that sh- is around the but, whole time like like even down to him always being around and like the conversations that he has just kind of jumping into these conversations with people like it feels so real and fun yeah so how did you feel about the movie quotes i thought they were a lot <laughs> yeah yeah they are I, they, it's it's a whole lot of movie quotes i like it right. I, I i think it's a fun um kind of connection for these characters but also some of it you're just like there's no way all of these people are gonna know all of these quotes and they all do right like, like, yes right so um yeah but it just kept coming just more and more and more of those quotes i was like the fact that nobody actually watches a movie in this book um but yet everybody <laughs> knows all about this um is a yeah lot. <laughs> um I kind of want to run through 
some of the things that like so Jennifer Cruzy is my favorite romance novel. Is it Cruzy? Yeah. I thought it was Cruz. No, there's an IE at the end. You're right. Yeah. It is. Um she, you know, I read a lot of romance novels, but to me, I'm always basically on the hunt for an author that I think is as good as her. Um mostly because I think her romance novels are legitimately funny, not just like someone trying to be funny. Yeah. Um, I, I do laugh at her books. And then also, like I said, I love the way she works with ensemble. Um, and so she has a few like tropes that are in every single one of her books that I love. Like, I'm like, Oh, every single Jennifer Cruzy book has this. They always have, um, the two love interests always have like a best friend or a sister or a brother that sort of hooks up with the other love interest, best friend, sister, or brother, you know? Yeah. Like there's always like this like double date vibe going on. Yeah. Um, which is such a fantasy of like, it's a, it's a fantasy. It's like, oh, of course I right. want to like, not only fall in love with someone, but my best friend falls in love with their best friend. And yeah. we're all <laughs> friends, you know? Um, that sense of community and like immediate friend group that works is like part Mm -hmm. of the fantasy and not just the romance. Um, so she always has that. She always has like really well-developed, fun, interesting side characters. Um, that sense of community and like found family is a big part, is a big thing with her. Yeah. Um, and then every single one of her books, the character, um, usually adopts a pet um or or already has a pet like there's always a pet and so that's kind of a sly thing was in at the beginning of the book she mentions that like the the lady that has her customer was like oh i just adopted this dog because you always put like a dog in all of your paintings (laughs) and that's kind of like a commentary on her she always puts a dog like in every single one of like her books nice um yeah Anyway, um, if you want to read another one, Lucas, this book is technically a sequel slash spinoff to another book of hers called Welcome to Temptation, um, in which Davy's sister moves to a small town in Ohio called Temptation. And Davy makes appearances in that book, and Clea makes appearances in that book. Um, And so the sister that... He is calling right. in the, and faking it is the main character of the first book called Welcome to Temptation. That makes a little bit of sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're this not book, direct sequels. They're not yeah. like – you don't have to have read it to like understand anything about this plot. Right. Um, but they are connected. Yeah. Okay. I think there's a couple lines in that were in this book that I was like – I didn't know that about his sister. Was I supposed to know that about his sister that right, came up? And right. they, they weren't important or anything like that. But it was just like the way he, yeah. the way it was kind of written about was like, yeah, you know, we talked about this. Totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think My she's favorite. a good writer. I really, I really enjoy her stuff, especially like growing up. All I thought, like when people talk about romance novels, I'm picturing the, uh, the novels that you see, the paperback novels with the, you know, the people on the front, like the, yes. like the, the like wanton, exactly. the shirtless guy with the flowing hair right. and like the, yeah, absolutely. That's always what I've pictured as these are romance novels. And Ugh. so now I'm just like, oh, there are, you know, actual like books that aren't that. <laughs> right. I've never read one of those books. Yeah. <laughs> mostly because I don't really love the idea of a period piece romance novel. Are they like, all period pieces? I guess. I mean, yeah. Based on for the, the covers, part, I guess. Yeah, you're right. 
I guess that's... They're like dukes and duchesses or pirates yeah. or, you know, like... <laughs> um, I don't, like... Yeah, that, does, that seems like a lot of effort for me. I like a modern romance. Um, and... And another reason why I really like Jennifer Cruzy is the time period she's writing in, like the early 2000s, mm-hmm. is like, a, I think, a really good time period for a romance novel. You know, like there's there's cell phones, but there's not really texting. Yeah. And it, it's set in this, it feels kind of old fashioned in a way without being like frustrating. Yeah. Um, my favorite novel of hers for anyone listening, I don't know that you would, this one is more classic of it. It's not, the plot is mm-hmm. not as... Um, geared towards you, but my favorite romance novel of hers is called Bet Me. Um, and it has a similar vibe in that it's about like this group of friends that somehow they weren't friends before the book and they form a friend group throughout it that feels really fun and like you want to be a part of this friend group. Um, so yeah, nice. if you appreciate ensemble books, and oh, another thing that I love about her is that you do get such an even sense of both male and female point of view in the book. Um, I don't like romance novels that are from like the woman's perspective the whole time. I like, I need both. And so she's, I think does a good job of that while also sprinkling in like usually a villain's point of view. Um, or at least like an an unlikable character. Right. Um, you know, in, in other books, it might be, like, an ex-boyfriend or someone else who's, like, trying to ruin the couple. Um, and so that was – to have those Clea moments in this book, yeah. is, it's kind of a nice release. Yeah. Those are those are really great. It reminded me this is nothing like it in any way, shape, or form. Um, but uh, The Emperor's New Groove, um, yeah. the fact that you get – the villain's perspective the whole time makes the plot more interesting and really does a good job of making you empathize with the villain as well. And so like having her in here, even though she's kind of tangential to the actual romance and plot for most of the movie, uh, I said it movie (laughs) for most of the book, um, (laughs) makes just, just makes it more interesting. I think totally. And she's not like a true villain, you know, like she's, um, she's an antagonist, I guess, not a right. Yeah. And, and she's also a fun caricature of yeah. like a yes. gold digger, blonde bombshell, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and yeah, in the first in the book that she the first book she's in, um Welcome to Temptation, she's um not as much of an antagonist. She's like just kind of like a, a quirky character. Um Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so, yeah, it, it they're fun. They're really really fun. Um well, so this was will good. you be I want to know yeah. Do you think you'll be reading more romance novels after this? I probably will. Okay. A plot, if you, if a good had, plot like, gets good me. Recommendations. A good plot gets me. So I, yes. Yeah. If it if it is very plot centric, uh, I am interested totally. in recommendations yeah. for sure. Um, I will say, welcome to, Tempt- to welcome to temptation is also kind of a murder mystery, not like a real murder mystery like the ones you read. Yeah. But there are murders in it or there are deaths in <laughs> there it are murders and, there, and, you and do, mysteries <laughs> and you do have to try and the the book does try to figure out who committed them okay. so if you if you like the davy character and yeah. you want more of this writing that's i think a, a great next step okay good to know yeah and i think i might read another ellen raskin book good this was a, a, a complete success i think <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> oh man yeah we'll we'll definitely have to do this again i think i i Again, we both love reading, and I think this is an an interesting thing to do to have these kind of swaps of, of genres that we're not um, usually into. So, yeah, let's do it again. Yeah, totally. 
Lucas, where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Lucas and Stuff. And you can find me on all social platforms at Sandra Amstead. My last name is spelled A-M-S-T-U-T-Z. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Go away. I'll see you soon, okay? That's it. Go home. Yep. Moving along, Padre. Goodbye, old friend. That's it. That's our show for tonight, people. 